You're listening to the MyZone Moves podcast with MyZone master trainers, Ayla Donlin and Emily Sopo. Ayla and Emily are certified personal trainers and group fitness instructors with combined 20 years in the fitness industry. Ayla holds a doctoral degree in educational leadership and a master of science degree in sport and exercise psychology. And Emily holds a master of science degree in exercise science. Together, they're here to show you how you can use effort tracking to make the most of your workout. Let's get to the show. All right, what's up everybody? Dr. Ayla Donlin here. I'm flying solo on this podcast interview because my colleague Emily Sopo is on special assignment elsewhere. I interviewed Dr. Allison Ede, who is an expert on exercise psychology and exercise motivation. This episode is jam-packed with ways that you can increase your exercise motivation and use your MyZone belt to do so. We would love it if you would share this episode out with your friends, your colleagues, your fellow MyZone users. You can share it via iTunes or Google Play. Share it on social media and use the hashtags MyZone Moves and Effort Rewarded. Here we go. All right, I am here with Dr. Allison Ede, and I want to tell you a little bit about Allison. She is right now an assistant professor at California State University, Long Beach, teaching specifically in the sport and exercise psychology option, but you do a little bit more work in the exercise psychology realm, right? So Allison has a master's degree in kinesiology from the University of North Texas, and a PhD in sport and exercise psychology from Michigan State University. Allison took a couple years off between finishing her undergrad work and going to grad school, and she was a high school track coach during that time in Colorado for four years. And that experience shaped how she approaches sport and exercise psychology. And before that, Allison, you were a track and field athlete yourself. I was. What uh, did you compete in? Um, I was primarily a heptathlete, but I think my love is in the hurdles. I yes. love the hurdles. Wow. Okay, we'll probably talk more about that through the interview. <laughs> uh, this is Allison's second year at Cal State Long Beach, and even though her degree is in sport and exercise psychology, as I mentioned, her teaching focus and research focus is in exercise psychology. And a big reason why we have Allison on the show today is because we're talking about exercise motivation, which of course is in the realm of exercise psychology. Allison's main research interest is in examining social relationships in exercise and how we influence one another in both positive and negative ways. And right now she's got a couple of projects that she's working on. One is developing a study to examine relationships between personal trainers and their clients. And I am fascinated by that and can't wait to learn more. And she's also working with a couple of faculty members, a couple of other faculty members, and some graduate students, both grad and undergrad? Yes, we have both. That's awesome. On an exercise and nutrition program for middle school girls to promote positive body image, leadership, and self-esteem. I dig what you're doing, Allison. It's such a cool focus. And I have a few questions for you, for our audience to tune into about motivation. So let's start, Allison, with what is motivation as it relates to exercise and physical activity? And is it any different from general motivation? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And first, I want to thank you for having me on the show. Oh my goodness. This is the first here. podcast interview I've ever done. So it's, uh -huh. it's um, a really unique experience. And I'm excited to talk to you and yeah. your listeners. Uh, yeah. Motivation is one of those topics in exercise that I think is really interesting mm -hmm. because it's one of those terms that we all think that we know what it is. Right. 
but it's more of this really fuzzy concept. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say, okay, we think people are motivated because we see them do something, but it's hard to know what they're actually feeling internally. Right. right. Um, the way that I would define motivation is the drive or desire to do something. Yep. And that has a couple different parts which I call direction and intensity. Mm -hmm. So the intensity is how much do you want it? How, how much effort are you putting in? How yeah. hard are you willing to work? Yeah. And then direction is where are you directing that effort? What goals are you working towards? What actually are you doing then to achieve what you want to achieve? Right. Um, and so in exercise, it's a little different than I would say general motivation mm -hmm. because of the reasons for exercising. Right. And actually kind of a pet peeve of mine is when people say um, that their goals are their motivation mm. because goals influence motivation and they influence what we do. Yeah. But goals by themselves aren't necessarily our actual motivation. Okay. Because um, a lot of people can have the same goals but very different levels of motivation. So when, yes. when we say, um, like, so we were talking and... Yeah. Um, uh, I've been thinking about weddings a lot because yes. I recently got engaged. And so yes. thinking about weddings as being the motivation for people to get in shape mm -hmm. specifically. And it's not the wedding itself that's the motivation. It's what is maybe a source of motivation. Um, but really it's everything around it. So it's being in front of a lot of people. There's trying to look a certain way in photographs or things like that. Yeah. And all of those things are influencing our behavior, not just the wedding itself that we exactly. might state as the goal. Yeah. And so what I find a little different between exercise and sort of general motivation is that a lot of the things that we work towards in exercise are really delayed. They're yeah. really far off in the future. Yeah. And so it's hard to stay motivated when you don't see the benefits as quickly as you want to. Yes. And the sort of immediate consequences or the sacrifices that you make are... Um, maybe other things that you would rather be doing in the mm -hmm. moment and you might mm -hmm. get that immediate gratification somewhere else. Right. So I have to maybe sacrifice spending some time with friends or watching a TV show because I want to go work out at the gym. Yep. And so that's, it's hard to, to trade off that immediate consequence with the really delayed reward. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the things that makes it so tricky. So yeah. sustaining motivation for really prolonged periods of time and really what we want people to do is be motivated forever. Right. And that's really, really tricky. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons why I think motivation is a really interesting topic. Yes. Do you, I'm going to jump a little bit of head, ahead in my sequence of questions oh, because sure. you sparked something. So how does one do that if if it does take a long term, it's a long game motivation, how do you organize that in such a way that maps your way to that longer term motivation or goal? Well, I think we also have to change up what the goals are mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, so it's great to have that long-term goal because mm -hmm. that shapes the behaviors that we want to do. Mm -hmm. um, tracking progress and so having some really short-term goals is yeah. important. Yeah. Um, but also focusing on like rewards of exercise with exercise itself instead of yeah. focusing on the outcomes. Yep. So thinking about what is it that I can get out of exercise in this moment while I'm doing the exercise versus what is exercise going to do for me later yes. on. So really focusing on 
what's the enjoyment in yeah. exercise? What are activities that I love to do? Who are the people that I want to spend time with while I'm exercising? And focusing on that process of mm -hmm. exercising and still thinking about those long-term goals, not ignoring them completely. Right. Because we do feel a lot of satisfaction as we're progressing towards our goals, as we're working towards something. Yep. Um, but having that sort of internal enjoyment for what we're doing in that moment, yeah. I think is what gets people coming back every day. Yep. So in order, I'm going to try and kind of summarize, in order to sustain a longer term motivation and in order to feel enough of a reward by the delayed gratification, we need to create ways of generating some instant gratification from each exercise session so that we can have a taste of that to promote the long term motivation. Yeah, I would say that's exactly okay. it. Yeah. All right, so therein lies one of the ways that we can continuously motivate ourselves to exercise. <laughs> All right. It's easier said than done, though. Way easier said than done. But the next question might give folks, our, our listeners, some ideas. Do you have any theories of motivation that you really like, Allison? And then please explain why you really like them. Well, there, there are a couple that I like, and there mm -hmm. are a ton of theories out there, especially in sport and exercise. Yep. Um, I think... Talking about enjoyment and things like that is really relevant to self-determination theory, which yep. I know is one that you like yeah, also. Yeah, one of my favorites. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so there are a couple different pieces to self-determination theory. Um, so the first is that you can have intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation. Mm -hmm. And intrinsic motivation is coming from an internal source, so things like enjoyment, you're doing it for yourself. And then extrinsic motivation is doing it for other reasons, what you think people want you to do, looking for social approval. Yeah. Even something like health could kind of be in between. Mm -hmm. um, it's still personal, it's still you, but it's still something that's also a society value right. as well. And so it's not purely about enjoyment, but a sort of a broader external goal. Yeah. So going back to your wedding example, mm -hmm. the goal of wanting to lose weight or look a certain way in your dress for the wedding that would be an example of an extrinsic or an external motivator, right? Yes, mm -hmm. um, and I think people sometimes get a little confused there because it's still something you want, and so there's still that internal right. piece to it. Right. But the source of it, where it's coming from, um, is really this external pressure, like this right. is what weddings are supposed to be like, and this right. is what wedding dresses are supposed to be like. And yep. even though I, I've studied this for a long time, and I've studied body image a lot, mm -hmm. um, as, as soon as we got engaged and people started talking to us about it, it was really easy to get caught up in it yeah. in ways that, I, and I knew it, right. but I still couldn't help that internal internalization of it, Yeah, too, yep. which I, I find really interesting, even if you know, it's still mm -hmm. there. Yeah to go through that reconciliation, I guess, of what's what's this external pressure versus what's what comes from really truly inside. How interesting. Okay. And so from there, so mm -hmm. there's another piece of self-determination theory, and they've got several what they call mini-theories. And this is from um, DC and Ryan, who are yeah. the people that, the researchers that really constructed this theory. Um, they also have said that people choose uh, activities that satisfy three basic psychological needs, mm -hmm. uh, which are autonomy, competence, and relatedness. Mm -hmm. And so I think these are really important exercises too, um, because autonomy is having choices, making your own decisions, yep. um, having some agency in what you're doing, and then competence, feeling like we're good at what we do, yep. which is extremely important. Mm -hmm. We don't want to choose activities that we're going to fail at mm -hmm. um, because that doesn't make us feel very good. Right. And then one of my favorite pieces is the relatedness, yeah. the social connections, spending time with people, 
feeling like you're part of something bigger yeah. than yourself. Yeah. Um, and so in exercise, how to foster those three things can, mm -hmm. be, can be challenging. Yeah, especially if you're newer to exercise in terms of the competence piece. It takes a little while to master even some of the basic exercises or movements. Do you have any recommendations for people as they're navigating that? Yeah, so you bring up, an, uh, I think, a really good point with newer exercisers and learning how to navigate things. Mm -hmm. um, another theory that I like is social cognitive theory mm -hmm. by Albert Bandura, and mm -hmm. he really focuses on confidence, mm -hmm. um, self-efficacy, um, confidence in your ability to exercise or to mm -hmm. complete a task. But one of the things that he also talks about is giving confidence in somebody else's ability to help you do those things. Mm -hmm. And it also ties back to the autonomy piece because I think sometimes we focus a lot or almost too much on giving people a ton of choices. Mm -hmm. That sometimes that can get overwhelming if you're new to yeah. exercise. You don't know right. what to do. You don't know what's gonna be best. Yeah. You don't know how to do things. And that takes up a lot of mental energy you and a lot it. of time. Um, and so one way to have autonomy is also to choose to give up some control mm -hmm. over your behavior to someone else like a trainer a fitness instructor yep. where if you give up some of those choices you're still making a choice mm -hmm. to give up that control to that person so mm -hmm. it's not totally unrelated to autonomy right but if they can take care of that decision making of teaching you how to do things making sure that you're doing things safely not getting hurt mm -hmm. um, what you can do is you can then put more of your energy into showing up you bet. Every day into giving more effort when mm -hmm. you're exercising because you haven't had to use up all that mental energy in order to figure out all of those things. Yeah. And so I think that's beneficial for everyone. You I think bet. it's particularly beneficial for new exercisers. Yes. Yes. In order to build, I guess, those three pieces that you just talked about from self-determination theory. Mm -hmm. and, and something I haven't ever really even thought about, Allison, is that idea of relatedness. If you're working with a personal trainer or if you're going to a group exercise class and you've got your group exercise leader then you're creating a sense of relatedness in that way too and if you're in a group exercise class then you've got the other participants as well so that's a that's a really nice way to build up that component as well yeah and I think um, I was for my dissertation I did some interviews with mm -hmm. trainers and their clients separately about some of the things they talked about and how mm -hmm. they build trust and build a relationship too yeah. And it was so interesting because I feel like a lot of the times it's not about talking about exercise, it's about talking about everything else. Yeah. So finding out how your day was. And those are important things for a trainer too because they need to know if you're tired, they need to know if you've had a hard day. You bet. Because that can impact what they, how they train you. Yeah. But it also builds the relationship too. It's like, oh, they care about me. Mm -hmm. um, they're interested in how I'm doing. And, yeah. and so it works both ways, which I really like. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Okay, so please review for us those three components of self-determination theory. So the three basic needs are autonomy, yeah. feeling mm -hmm. like you have choices and ownership, yeah. competence, feeling like you're good at what you're doing, and mm -hmm. relatedness, connecting to other people. Very cool. And maybe we can tie that back when we get toward the end and we're talking about how wearable technology can help to motivate us. Maybe those Absolutely. three pieces will come back again. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we'll now move into question number three. Are there any specific factors that influence exercise motivation that listeners should be aware of, and you, I think, have touched on a few of those as we've already been talking, but any any others that you have in mind? Um, so those, those factors, the three basic needs, are extremely mm -hmm. important, um, but thinking about building confidence, too, mm -hmm. 
Um, there are a lot of specific things that can influence how confident people are. Yeah. So first is have, if you've done it before, so your past right. performance, your past experiences. If you've been successful before, you think you'll be successful again. Yep. And this again is from Bandera. Yeah. Um, but also vicarious experiences is what he calls seeing somebody else do it so yeah. seeing other people be successful especially if they have similar characteristics to you yes so you know if you're trying to show a 10 year old how to um i think more in a sport example but you you're bet. showing a 10 year old how to play basketball bringing in lebron james is not necessarily going to be the most beneficial because obviously right. he's very different yeah um but having them see other 10 year olds do it makes them more confident, like, oh, people who are like me, they yes. can do it, I can do it too. Yeah. And then there's also social persuasion, which is part of that connectedness piece, mm -hmm. um, where people encourage you, they tell yeah. you you can do it. If somebody yeah. tells you you can do it, you're gonna feel like you can, and then you're more yeah. likely to do it. Yeah, I really like that. And we were talking before we started the podcast about my zone and the social mm -hmm. connections piece. And I guess that could be a way uh, for folks to fulfill that where you can log into your MyZone app or your user page online and you can check out your social connections. You can see what your friends or your social connections are doing and that might actually boost your confidence to be able to do a similar workout. Yeah, and that uh, works in a couple different ways too. So you can see what other people are doing. You can think, I can do it too. Yeah. Um, you can also check in on other people. Yeah. So a story that I referenced somewhat earlier, um, I use a fitness tracker and so does my dad. Uh -huh. And so we're connected on using an app and social media. Yes. And there was a week where I'd forgotten to charge it. And so yeah. I wasn't getting any data and he got really concerned. And so yeah. he called me and said, you know, are you sick? Are you hurt? What's going on? Yeah. Why aren't you doing this? And so yeah. it's not just that he could, we were sort of comparing ourselves to one another, but also, right he could see, he kept track and he could see, okay, maybe something's going on right now. Maybe I need to reach out. And yeah. I think that's something too that we're sometimes missing, but you can see, okay, maybe this person needs some help. Yeah. I can reach out. I can be that help yeah. for somebody, which yeah. I think is fantastic. And there's so many dimensions to that. The accountability piece, back to the relatedness piece. Yeah, I dig that. Any other specific factors that influence exercise motivation that you could think of, Allison? Um, those are, I think are my favorites. There are a lot. Yeah. I think, and because I still do so, I study social relationships, that's yeah. the one that I sort of value the most, that yeah. I think we impact one another so much more than we realize. Yeah. And I think sometimes we realize how people impact us, but we don't always think about how we impact someone else. Yeah. And that we can take, we can actively take steps to encourage and help yeah. one another. Yeah. I think that's such a great message for our listeners to be proactive in reaching out and encouraging others. And we can all do that via <laughs> the MyZone app. Reach out to your social connections and encourage them. I love that. Uh, I did want to talk about goal setting just a little bit in terms of how goal setting might influence exercise motivation because I know a lot of people are goal setters. Are there any specific things that we should be doing or not doing when we're setting goals related to exercise? I think there are several different things we need to do when mm -hmm. we set goals and the first is that we need different types of goals. Yep. So some of these more longer term goals are outcomes of exercise mm -hmm. and so those would be outcome goals so things like improving health um, getting in shape for a wedding. Sure. Those, but, and those are good because it directs our behavior, like yep. I mentioned before. Yep. But we also need process goals, and mm -hmm. those could be shorter 
goals it's okay what are the goals that i need to do to achieve that yep. so it's how many days a week am i going to be exercising how many reps am i going to do each day and those are nice because then you're it's something that you accomplish every day mm -hmm. and so you can get that reward and that satisfaction of okay yep. i've achieved my goal today yes um and because it's a process goal it's entirely within your control yeah so some of those outcome goals like health outcomes or weight loss they can be impacted by so many other things yeah that sometimes whether we achieve it or not is not entirely in our control. But those process goals, you do it or you don't do it, and it's up to you. Right, right. And then I also like what are called performance goals, which are like your ability to perform a certain thing on an exercise task. Mm -hmm. So, And I like that too because it tracks your progress. So yeah. it could be um, if I'm lifting every few weeks, okay, what can I achieve on this today? Yeah. And then a month later, what have I achieved on this? And then I actually look back and think, okay, even day to day, I may not see progress, but I have made some progress and I see it and I can measure it. Mm -hmm. And I think having something be measurable is extremely important too, because then yes. you can put a number on it. Here's yes. how much I've improved. I know I'm making progress and mm -hmm. this is great. Mm -hmm. I really like that. And in working with clients, sometimes I use those terms as well. So we have our outcome Good. goals, our process <laughs> goals, our performance goals. I'll also sometimes use the terminology setting objective and subjective goals. And I think objective goals can be outcome, process, or performance. Absolutely. How do we measure them? What's our end game? And what's what are the steps that we're going to take to get there? And that's the way of creating immediate gratification, like you said, those process goals. But I also like to talk about the subjective goals in terms of how do I want to feel along the way? So what's a goal related to after this next session I would like to feel this way, or I would like to choose a way of moving my body that creates this type of feeling for myself. Do you ever recommend using that type of goal? Oh, I think that's or? absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, so the subjective goals sometimes are harder because how do we yeah. measure our progress? But right. one of the things you can do is after a workout, you can write down, okay, how did I feel today? What did I do? Yeah. What did I like about what I did today? Because yeah. it's a good reminder that, oh, you know what? I really did enjoy it. And there may have been times where it was challenging. And you know what? Sometimes when we're exercising, we don't, we feel a little uncomfortable too, yeah. because pushing yourself is uncomfortable, Yeah. but it makes you feel better. And so yeah. also noting, okay, I felt better. I felt accomplished after I did this. And that can remind you the next time I know that when I've done this and it's been challenging and it can it can hurt a little bit while I'm trying to do it, but yep. I will feel a lot better afterwards. Yes, yeah. I think that's great. I really like the idea too of, of peeling back the layers. So sometimes when working with clients, when they set their outcome goal, their long-term end game goal, I'll play the why game. So why would you like to achieve this goal? And I find as we peel back the layers or as we unpack it, at the root often of a lot of those goals is a subjective feeling or sensation and maybe we don't we're not in tune with that or in touch with that initially but as you peel back the layers that kind of bubbles i think to the surface and i think that's a really good point of peeling back the layers because you can have the same goal and have very different reasons for mm -hmm. wanting it mm -hmm. so thinking about something like weight loss which i feel like is a very common goal yeah um what is it is it for health is it for appearance? Is it for your own satisfaction? Is it because you think other people think you should do it? Right. And those have different impacts on your behavior. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Yeah. So that's kind of a sequence of questions you can take yourself through or fitness professionals can take clients through. 
Um, and I wanted to talk to Allison about this idea of um, the subjective being a little bit more slippery. You can't measure that as clearly as you can an objective. And that's one of the things that I dig about the MyZone app. After mm -hmm. every workout, you get a little prompt that asks you to rate your workout. And it's on a scale of faces from like kind of a sad face all the way to a happy face. So you, you rank it in terms of how it made you feel on that scale, and then you can write down some notes as far as I felt energized or whatever it would be. So that's kind of a cool feature that my zone. Yeah, offers. I think that's awesome because mm -hmm. it's also pretty quick to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sitting down writing a lot or keeping a journal can sometimes be time-consuming and mm -hmm. people don't always have the time or think they'll do it later but if it's something that and it's prompted yep. too because you know you can ask somebody to write things down after a workout but they have to remember right. so being prompted I think is a fantastic tool yeah yeah and I I think that immediate feedback like we've been talking about is really important then to sustain and and what I like about that too is then you can go back and you can look at a month's worth of workouts and you can look at which ones you left feeling a little bit better, like maybe more energized or you just enjoyed that workout a little bit more or it left you in a little bit better of a mood than some others. So then you can really tell how you like to move your body. I think that's a way maybe that we can sustain longer term motivation as well as really finding the way that your body likes to move. Yeah, I think the enjoyment and what you like to do is so key. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that leads me to my last question. Do you have specific recommendations for our users on how we can use wearable fitness trackers like the MyZone system uh, to increase our exercise motivation? Um, I really like fitness trackers mm -hmm. overall, and I know that there have been different studies on how effective they are. Yeah. Um, I think as with any tool, what matters is how you use them, mm -hmm. not necessarily what the tool is. And so there's a couple different ways that we use tools or information that we can see information um, as an indicator of how well we're progressing or yep. how we're achieving our goals or we can see things as somewhat controlling sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, am I doing this because I think someone else wants me to do it or is it dictating my behavior versus is it giving me information yeah. about my behavior? Yeah. Um, and what I really like about the My Zone is that you can do a lot of different activities mm -hmm. with it mm -hmm. and you're still getting that information. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like I use a fitness tractor that's just steps. Mm -hmm. And actually one of the, the problems I ran into early on was that it was somewhat dictating my behavior. So mm -hmm. one of the things that I'd like to do was use a rowing ergometer, yeah. but it wouldn't pick it up. And right. so sometimes when I would make a choice, it's like, well, why would I do something that doesn't show up in my information? Right. But I was realizing, you know, that's not the way to do it because, yeah. you know, that there's a lot of value to it. I enjoy it. And yeah. just because it doesn't show up quantitatively on right. my, you know, my progress, yep. then that shouldn't change what I do. Yep. Um, and so then I decided, okay, I really need to use this as an informational tool. Yep. And so with the MyZone, because you can see all those different activities, I think yep. that it can be less of that controlling and more of sure. that informational tool. Yes. And so I think it's really important to think, okay, how am I using this? Yep. What am I using it for? Yeah. Um, along with the social component. So I think those two things, using it as informational, how are mm -hmm. you progressing, are you meeting your goals every day, mm -hmm. and the social connectedness, I think those two things together are really helpful. That's great. And I'm going to ask you a tough follow-up question. As a master trainer for my zone, one of the things that, that I hear quite often is 
that when people accidentally leave their belt at home, they almost want to turn around and forego the workout. And I think that can be one of the downfalls of wearable technology in terms of um, we get so used to it and so used to having that feedback that without it, sometimes we can lose some of our motivation. Do you have any recommendations on those days where maybe you forgot your belt or your tracker, what to do? Yeah, I think sometimes we can have an over-reliance or an over-dependency mm -hmm. um, on a tracker, but also maybe on a trainer. Like, what if you show up and your trainer is sick? What do you do? Sure. Do you turn around and go home? That's yeah. probably not the right thing. Right, or your favorite group fitness class is canceled. Right, or, yeah. we still want you to exercise. Um, so I think the biggest thing is is planning. So even mm -hmm. if you, of course, we don't know when that's going to happen. Right. Um, but you know that it's going to happen at some point. Yep. Someday you're going to do that. Yeah. And I think having a plan in place up front saying, okay, I know this is going to happen at some point. Mm -hmm. Here is my goal for when that happens. Yep. So my goal, if I leave my belt at home, maybe I'll do a slightly different workout, but yep. I am going to do something at least for, say, 20 minutes or 30 Brilliant. minutes or whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. And that has to be done early on because obviously in the moment, it's probably too late. Yeah. But I think the planning ahead for contingencies is yeah. a great one. And yeah, you can't plan for everything, but right. you know what's going to happen Yeah. too. And I also think that's a great opportunity, something that I tell clients if they've forgotten their belt is, this is a great opportunity to focus on a different source of feedback. So if you're used to getting the immediate feedback of percentage of maximal heart rate and it's the beautiful zones that you're so used to targeting, today let's work on sensing how your body feels during this workout and which parts of the workout um, do you feel energized immediately? Which parts of the workout do you maybe get your sense of energy afterwards? So I try to reframe in that way. And I think that's perfect. Mm -hmm. And because you can also do that in conjunction. So while you're wearing mm -hmm. the belt, you can think about that too. And so then the next day it's okay. Maybe you don't have one of these pieces of information, but you still have another piece of information that you're yeah. used to. Um, and thinking about it in like a group setting, I think going back to emphasizing being proactive about helping other people yep. and say, okay, maybe I can't get that information today, but if I show up and work out, I can help motivate the person next to me too. And so it's not just for me, it's for anyone else who's going yeah. to be there too. I love that. I think that adds depth to the motivation. That's great. Allison, is there anything else that you wanted to discuss or leave with us related to exercise motivation? No, I, I think we covered it. I'm just really glad that you're putting this information out there and um, everything that I've seen you do, I think is fantastic. And so I think you're the Thank perfect you. person to be doing this sort of thing. And <laughs> I love it. Yeah, well, we really appreciate you being on the My Zone Moves podcast. And I think we gave our listeners some really great strategies to help pursue and bolster their exercise motivation. So thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me, Ayla. All right, a great episode with Dr. Allison Ede, expert in exercise psychology and exercise motivation. Hopefully you found a lot of great takeaways that you can apply immediately to increase your exercise motivation. Please share this interview out. Tag your friends who you think could use a little bit of exercise motivation. Tweet about it. Put it on Facebook. Put it on Instagram. And stay motivated, my friends. Thank you guys so much for joining us for this episode of the MyZone Moves podcast. For more information about MyZone, check out myzone.org, where you can also explore our blog. And you can catch us live every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific time on the MyZone Facebook page. 
Remember, we are here to support you. That's right, we're all in this together. So no matter what, keep moving forward.